Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hi there. Welcome to session 94 of Selling the Couch. Thank you for taking the time to join me for today's session. Wherever you are, I hope that today's podcast finds you doing well. You know, one of my most favorite things about doing this podcast is getting to connect with other private practitioners all around the world and just getting to hear their story of not just how they built their practices, but a lot of the mental hurdles that they overcame in doing that. My guest today is actually a psychologist, Dr. Lourdes Viado. Lourdes and I have gotten to know each other here over the past year. Man, I can't believe it's been that long, but Lourdes is just one of the kindest folks that I have ever met. She's based out in Las Vegas, Nevada, and she's here to share all about her private practice journey. More specifically, we are talking about a quote or a phrase that has motivated Lourdes on her private practice journey and that grounds her as she handles the day-to-day grind of being an entrepreneur. We talk a lot about the fears that Lourdes had in starting a private practice, the challenges and the fears that come up as she continues to grow a successful practice and how she manages to do that. You know, one of the other things that we really talk about in today's session is this idea of the shiny object syndrome. I feel like in this online space, it is so easy to see what other folks are doing and then to doubt what we are doing and then to try to focus on what they're doing. But what often happens is we end up chasing one object after another, whether it's as blogging or podcasting or being more active on social media or guest posting or whatever it is. But a lot of times we end up just chasing one thing after another, and it leads to just a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. And Lourdes and I are talking about that concept and what some of the things that she has found helpful along the way. Before we get to today's podcast session, I wanted to take a moment to thank from the bottom of my heart, Kelly Higdon and Miranda Palmer over at Zinimi dot com for supporting this month's podcast. Kelly and Miranda are two therapists turned private practice coaches who have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to helping us build successful private practices, but private practices that are focused on our loved ones and obtaining a sense of balance in our lives. Again, you can find more information at zinimi.com. So we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Dr. Lourdes Viado at lourdesviado.com. Hi, Lourdes. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hi, Melvin. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. We've gotten to know each other offline, and 
one of the things, and I told you this offline, but one of the things that has so impressed me about you is your spirit. And I'm just so honored you're on the podcast, but and also looking forward to really hearing about your private practice journey and the things that you've learned along the way. Oh, thank you, Melvin. We haven't done this in a while. So I love to just start with a quote that has been such a vital part of who you are and who you are as a private practitioner. And then tell us that quote and then how it's been beneficial to you. And then how any of us that are, and no matter what stage of the private practice journey, how we, that might be applicable to us. So this quote that I have is actually, it's a quote that when I was working on my dissertation and finishing up my PhD, it's something that my coach said to me, well, actually said to our group. And the quote was, you do your dissertation the way you do life. But you could put anything in that blank. You know, you do your parenting, you do your relationships. And so for me, with my practice, as I was working on different aspects of it, I really saw that it really triggered all types of things within me, you know, my fears, anything about self-worth. And I really had to focus on what was happening within me so that the outer stuff would work. And it was the same way with my dissertation. You know, the way you approach handling speaking to your advisor or the way you approach getting stuck. And so I realized that in my practice, that was the same thing. And so I really had to work on that so that the outward results were, were what I wanted them to be. I, I would say that the practice building experience for me has been largely a focus on my inner process and getting out of my own way and what I was doing, you know, mindset, sabotaging, all these things that were, I was putting my own obstacles out in front of me. I have had this thought before, which is, you know, nothing like starting a small business to bring up all of our stuff, right? I know. Yes, exactly. And when I began to get really honest about the challenges I was having, you know, I can say, oh, this approach just doesn't work for me. This person who gave me the suggestion, it's not the right suggestion, and they don't know me well enough. You know, I could really put a lot of emphasis on the externals, but really it was something that was coming out within myself. What are some of those things that did come up initially as you were starting your private practice journey, some of the internal kind of things? I think one of them was just this fear of showing up and what others would think, which sounds so simple and basic, but it was really a big part of that process. And then another part of it was the realization that I wasn't clear about what was really important to me. And that was a shock because I thought I was clear. (laughs) But what happened is I would go along a path on this private practice journey and it wasn't working for me because I realized I was doing it because someone else said this was a good idea. And it was a good idea. It just wasn't a good idea for me. I mean, that right there, you just said, the way you distinguish that, that is so key because there are multiple ways to do this. But I think you're speaking to this larger aspect, which is at the end of the day, we have to build businesses that straight that stay true to who we are as people. Yes. And I think that that is the single most important piece of my experience is really looking at my choices as being in alignment with what matters to me, what my values are. And once I started to do that, you know, it just got a lot easier. (laughs) How did you go from that process of having those fears and recognizing them, but then actually 
not letting them cripple you? I think I had to go from this place of just first the just the shock and the disappointment that something wasn't working for me because I just think, you know, I would say for the most part, therapists are individuals who get stuff done and they work through obstacles. And so I think I had to get to this point where I had to realize that this wasn't working, not because it was a reflection of my value as a person. It just wasn't working because it wasn't the right approach or the right thing that really aligned with my soul vision. And once I got to that point, I began to remove the, yes, the, the judgments I was making about myself and assigning value like this is good, this is bad. And it became more, no, this just, this isn't a fit for me. So let's try something else. And I think that was a huge shift because that belief that, gosh, this isn't working, it's working for other people was really frustrating. You know, I began to think something was wrong with me. <laughs> I just had to get to that point where I realized that I did know what was best for me. The process was finding out how to bring my vision into the world in a way that was truly authentic for me. And then it became more of a trial and error. And there wasn't this attachment to something was wrong with me because I wasn't making this work. You know, for me, it's actually so liberating to hear you talk about it in that way, because I think what you're saying is absolutely true. Most of us, if not all of us, right, we are very driven people, we're very like high achievers. And when something doesn't work out the way we planned, the natural tendency is always to blame ourselves, right? And I love how you said you separated that, like this wasn't about your competence, right? And your worth, I think, even bigger than that. Yeah. And I think it also helped with that shiny object syndrome and the comparison that we can fall into because I just really began to see just my private practice experience and others' experiences were their experiences. And once I was able to really, I guess, get that on a deep level, I was able to move through the struggles and the obstacles in a better way. You said one of the key elements was that you recognize what your strengths are and you focused on those. What was something initially that you were doing, you know, that may have been right for someone else, but you realized didn't resonate for you and that you eventually just stopped doing? I think there are two aspects of this. I was trying really hard to, I guess, put myself out there, <laughs> you know, create content and be visible and be out in the world in a more direct way. Yeah. So like more public kind of? Yes. And I wanted to, and I know I am very introverted. However, I also know that just because I'm introverted doesn't mean that I should not, you know, put myself out there and try new things. And so I really pushed myself to grow in that way. And it felt, of course, very unnatural. I felt very awkward. And I didn't feel when I looked at what I was creating that it was really an expression of who I am. And so I began to see that my preference for being a little bit more quiet, more subtle, not needing to be in the forefront of things, that that was okay. And that that's actually something that was appealing to people. And that that was my way of interacting with the world, with my clients. You know, one of the things that I remember coming up for me early in this practice building process is in my sessions, I'm very comfortable with silence and really sitting with something for a long time, you know, whether it's a feeling, an image, 
and allowing that space for my clients and myself to really look at what's happening closely and slowly and not rushing. You know, at first I thought I need to change that, but that's not the case. You know, the way that I do therapy, the way I work on my practice, the way I move through the world, you know, that's actually an expression of who I am. And that's how I support in the best way. That's how I can create my practice in the best way is by, you know, kind of being that still, quiet, attentive, paying attention to nuances, looking at what's not being said. And that's okay. That's my strength. I just needed to realize that so that I could move forward. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you gave yourself permission to be you. Yes, I did. Uh, And I think about, and you know this, like I'm introverted as well, and I still struggle with this, but like when STC first started, I wasn't really, like it was nowhere near where it is now. And so I really struggled with how do I present this? And I almost felt like I had to like be someone else because that was the formula, right, to get out there. And I felt that same thing. Like, the more I did that, the less authentic it felt for me. And I think where it finally started to make sense was when I had a similar process and was like, why am I trying to do things that (laughs) are just not me, you know? And I don't know, it just made a lot more sense. So I don't like, I'm not in your face. I'm not, you know? Yeah. I'm like, if it fits, it fits. If it doesn't, that's cool. Don't worry about it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's okay, right? Because like you said, there are a variety of folks in the world that have perspectives and it's going to resonate with the group. Yeah, exactly. This line just kept coming up. It's like the marketing does not need to cater to the entire world, right? It just needs to help and support those that you want to serve. Yes, and I think that You know, I know that there are so many different supports out there for therapists and just being open to seeing what called to me and what felt right. And that's such, I know that that's not always the way that people say you should make decisions. For me, if I've just gone with my intuition, with how I feel, things work out, (laughs) you know. And so I think that also was a different approach for me because when I first jumped into all of this, I would see what was being done and see what was being suggested. And I, I would say, okay, I'll do that. And not really having that process, taking that pause and saying, okay, Lourdes, how does this really fit with you? How does this feel for you? And now it's all about that before jumping into anything. So that ability to take that pause, you found that to be a huge difference, right? Because otherwise you just see and then do. Yes, just really pausing and listening and watching and then making a very intentional decision. And I think that slowing down process almost feels counterintuitive when you're building a practice and you see others creating things and doing really wonderful, you know, things with their practices. And then also feeling that pressure of, you know, I need to do something because I need to create income. But you know, there is so much value in just pausing because I started so many things that were an investment of my energy, my time, my resources, my money. And it was a path that if I had really been more mindful, that I shouldn't have chosen for myself. You said one of the things that you do during that period of pause is just to reflect and see if it aligns with you, right? 
you know, in a process like building a private practice, which is so foreign to so many of us, right? How did you learn to trust your intuition in that, you know, when there's just so much information out there? I think part of it is I've always known my intuition has been just, I see it as just one of my five senses. It's just the same as my seeing, my hearing, all of that. And I think that when it came to practice building, for whatever reason, I set it aside. And so I just had to remember that, you know, Lourdes, you have been a very intuitive person your entire life. You know, you've felt things or gotten a sense of things you couldn't put your finger on and you couldn't really explain to people why you felt this. But, you know, I'd say 95% of the time, my intuition has been, you know, it hasn't disappointed me. If I have made a decision based on my intuition and it didn't work out, it was usually something that I rushed into and there was also fear involved with it. And so I think that also clouded that for me. So I think it was just remembering that, you know, your intuition is such a valuable source of wisdom and insight for you. Bring it into your practice building experience and trust it and know that it may not give you answers that look like everybody else's. And it may also be very different from others in vision, but trust that. And so that has really been a big part of this process. And when I started doing that, that's when everything started to fall into place. I mean, literally, like, like I started getting clients. I was able to raise my fees, just a sense of confidence, too. I would say that's the other piece of it. When I'm relying on my intuition, I feel strong within myself. And it's a strength where I'm able to also cope with whatever happens. So if it maybe it doesn't work out the way I thought, or there is feedback that, you know, it's difficult to hear, I feel grounded within. And so it's okay. I don't know why, but like, what you were talking, like, I just found myself like, getting emotional about it, because I just think so many of us like we're gifted in so many ways, right? And we have wonderful intuitions and wonderful wisdom. And I think part of it, it's like, for me, it's like, it kind of breaks my heart to see that we don't trust ourselves in that process. And it's so neat to see like that you found that and you rediscovered that. I think my hope with this session is that it encourages those that may have lost their intuition in the process to give themselves permission to find it again. Yeah. And to listen to what it has to say, to let it speak. You know, even with my clients, it's a part of the process that I really want my clients to begin to integrate their intuition into their lives because many of them also, you know, they've lost touch with that part of themselves or they don't even know that it's there. And so I, I think it's also this piece of the authenticity where, you know, my therapy is also an expression of the areas that I am also focusing on and working on and areas that I'm growing in. Yeah. I mean, if we model that within ourselves, right? Yeah. Inevitably, our clients see it and notice it. You said one of the things earlier you said was you really struggled with shiny object syndrome. And I feel like I'm going to do an episode on this at some point. How in the world did you stop chasing every social media platform, what other practitioner was doing, even in our own mind, like I got to build a practice, write a book, you know, create a course, launch a podcast. Like, how did you stop that process? I think, you know, part of it goes back to this. It's a poem by Rumi, and I'm not going to be able to say it as articulately, but this is one of the things that I always kind of keep at the forefront of my decision process, and I have it 
on a Facebook post and it's on my computer and I look at at least once a week, but it's the quote where Rumi talks about a king sent you to a kingdom to do one task and you went to the kingdom and you did a hundred other tasks. And so the moral of the story or the poem being that it doesn't matter if you did a hundred other things, if you didn't do what, you know, your soul was called to do and what you were meant to do. And so I really, you know, think about that, like, okay, today I have all these things I need to do, but what's the one thing that is really calling to my soul? What is my soul sent me to do? The soul being, you know, the king, that part of you within you or whoever that is. So that has been a big piece of helping me to refocus is just remembering that there's so many things to pull you away, but you are here to do one thing. And what's that one thing? So I use that as I plan my days, as I plan my weeks. And I always have to go back and remember because if I don't, I forget. You know, that's part of my daily process, my weekly process, you know, because otherwise I am pulled into so many different directions. So you really try to narrow it down to that that one thing and whatever aligns with your sort of intuition and just focus on that one thing as opposed to trying to do like three to five, like sometimes I can do. <laughs> yes, I try to avoid multitasking. I try to honestly do one thing at a time because first of all, it's just less anxiety for me and I'm more effective that way. So it's almost like, you know, like that fable of the tortoise and the hare. I just have to go slowly and I'll get there. And slowly means doing one thing at a time. Yeah. By the way, I'm totally underreporting the three to five. (laughs) (laughs) Should we uh, transition to the hot catch round? Yeah, sure. What's a daily habit that you believe contributes to your success? Every day, even if it's only for an hour, I make sure that I have just time for Lourdes where it's not me being a mom, it's not me being a wife, and I'm not being a therapist. So usually this is when my husband is getting ready for work, and I will step out of the house and just, you know, I might go to Starbucks, I might go to a bookstore, I might go sit at a park. But it's just time for me where I'm not in a role of responsibility to anyone and I'm just being me. And, you know, sometimes I'll take that time to meditate or to go to the gym, but I have to have time just for me every single day. And that helps me to get through the rest of the day, which is super challenging. I like that intentionality. What's an online resource that has been invaluable on your private practice journey? It's actually an online personality test by Sally Hogshead, the How to Fascinate Personality Test. And that was really meaningful to me at the beginning because it was one of the first things that I ever did as like an assessment that I felt really helped me to see how maybe others perceived me. And when I began to, you know, I got her books and I started to implement some of her suggestions. It was also a big turning point in my practice. That's neat related, but what's a favorite business-related book that's really impacted you and how you see your private practice? Start With Why by Simon Sinek. For me, I had been trying all these different you know, approaches of figuring out how to talk about what I do and what my practice is about. And his TED Talk and his approach really helped me with getting clear on that and becoming better at articulating it. I, I listen to that TED talk at least once a month. I know. That's great. <laughs> I actually want to, you know, put a version and put a link into the Healthcasters course for you guys because I think that's such a great question to think about, you know, start no matter what we're starting. Yeah. 
Um, what's one tip that you would give to someone who's thinking about starting a private practice? I think it would be to take the time to really focus on your inner self in this process. Get to know your fears, your vulnerabilities, know what's important to you so that you have an accurate roadmap for moving through the rest of your private practice journey. Imagine that you were starting your private practice journey all over again. Uh, you have $500 and your laptop. What's that first step that you would take toward building your practice? The first step would be creating a website. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. That's probably the most common response that folks give. I mean, I think it's such a beautiful way of getting our perspective and who we are out into the world, you know? Yeah, it's almost, you know, as a therapist, you know, if you don't have your website, it's almost like, I don't know, there's like a sense of legitimacy and also just being able to say, hey, I'm here, you know, so I feel like that's the first step for anyone. Yeah, there's definitely like an internal aspect to it, right? Yeah. Lourdes, you're off the hot couch. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you survived. I did. <laughs> I wanted to ask you earlier, but uh slipped my mind, but you launched a wonderful podcast in the last couple of months. Oh, thank you, Melvin. What made you do something like that? You know, it was part of that process of, you know, thinking about what resonates with me and what's a reflection of me. And I realized that, you know, I've been told and I feel that I ask good questions and I felt like it was a way to put myself out there without putting myself out there completely. And I also wanted to create something that supported women, but look deeply at things that maybe are not talked about that make people uncomfortable, you know, even taboo areas, and also experiences and approaches in therapy that maybe are not so mainstream. So, you know, working with dreams, working with shadow archetype, poetry, hypnosis. So it's really an intersection, I would say, between the inner lives of women and these other areas in a woman's experience that maybe are slightly uncomfortable and unknown, but there needs to be a space where those things can be discussed. And I just wanted that for women. And I've always felt, I've said this to several people, so I'm sure they're going to remember this if anyone's listening, that one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to make Jungian psychology or depth psychology accessible to more people because not everyone needs to, you know, go through analysis or needs to know all the big theoretical constructs involved with, with depth psychology to benefit from it. I think that, you know, knowing that there are parts of ourselves that we're not aware of, that we can react from a place of vulnerability or fear and not even know it, that it's important for people to know about these things. And so that was also another piece of this. I wanted to, in some small way, bring depth psychology to a larger audience. That's neat. Where can folks find the podcast and where can folks find your private practice website and learn more about you? The best way is www.lordisfiato.com. And for the podcast, it's the same website. And then after lordisfiato.com forward slash women in depth. Awesome. Lourdes, thank you so much for doing this. I am so grateful that we were able to have this conversation, but more grateful for who you are and for our friendship. Oh, thank you, Melvin. I am so honored to have come across your work and to be a part of HealthCasters. I've learned so much from you, <laughs> and not just, you know, on the practical logistics stuff, but just the way that you 
live your life is really an inspiration and a wonderful example. Thank you. Take good care. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lourdes. I know for me, hearing that conversation and just, you know, you interview certain people and you can just feel the the wisdom underneath what by what they say. And Lourdes is definitely one of those people that I just, I love hearing the wisdom that, that she has to share. You know, as Lourdes mentioned, uh, she recently launched a podcast called the Women in Depth Podcast. So it's a wonderful podcast. I've actually listened to a couple of episodes and she does such a good job. Um, the way that she asks questions is it's just, it's really quite amazing. So be sure to check it out and support the great work that she's doing in the world. You can find show notes, all of the resources that Lourdes mentioned. You can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number nine four. As we wrap up, I just wanted to again thank Kelly and Miranda for supporting this month's podcast. Uh, again, Kelly and Miranda are just a wonderful resource if you are in private practice, no matter what stage of the private practice journey you are on. They, um, the blog is full of just really great information. They also have a business boot camp that they launch a couple of times a year. And actually, when this episode goes live, they're about to get ready for their fall launch. And if you're listening to it way down the line, um, you can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Kelly and Miranda, and you can um, figure out when the next launch of Business Bootcamp is. Have a wonderful week, and thank you again for tuning in. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.